0: Welcome to this episode of Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast giving you advice, tips and tools for getting the most out of your research. I'm Laura Grassi and today I'll be talking to you about the dangers of UV light in the lab. If you use ultraviolet light in the lab, have you ever stopped to consider how it damages DNA and causes mutations? If not, we've got the lowdown on how to protect yourself and your experiments right here. First, let's talk about how UV light damages DNA. UV radiation is a carcinogen because it damages DNA, resulting in mutations in proto-oncogenes and tumour suppressor genes. The connection between overexposure to sunlight, and more specifically to the UV portion of its spectrum, and cancer is well documented. See the original article for references. This is why you should always follow the advice summed up so eloquently by Baz Luhrmann to apply sunscreen to protect yourself from skin cancer. Exposure to UV radiation is also associated with photoaging and damage to the eyes. The extent and type of DNA damage is largely dependent on the wavelength of the incident photons. Learning how UV radiation causes DNA mutations is key to gaining a solid understanding of the mechanisms underlying skin cancer. This is also important when considering the detrimental effects that UV light can have on your DNA based experiments. In cells, DNA repair mechanisms can fix UV damage bases. With purified plasmids, no such mechanisms exist, and unrepaired UV damage can be detrimental to the success of your downstream applications. In this episode, we will explain the two main mechanisms by which UV light can cause mutations, highlight lab equipment that uses UV light and the types of UV light involved, explain why this is important when working with DNA in the lab, and provide tips for working safely with UV light sources, both for you and your samples. So, what is UV radiation? UV radiation is the part of the electromagnetic spectrum that lies between 200 and 400 nanometers, with shorter wavelengths than violet of the visible spectrum, hence the name ultraviolet. This range is further divided into short wave, 200 to 280 nanometers UVC light, middle wave, 280 to 320 nanometers UVB light, and long wave, 320 to 400 nanometers UVA light. Our eyes can't directly perceive UV light because the lens of a human eye blocks most radiation between 300 nanometers and 400 nanometers, while the cornea blocks shorter wavelengths of UV light, that is, UVB and UVC. UVC, damaging reality for DNA. The shorter wavelength UVC light carries with it significantly more energy than its long-wave UVA counterpart and is much more damaging to DNA. This increased capacity for DNA damage of UVC is also because DNA absorbs light at a maximum of 260 nanometers, which is within the UVC range. Thankfully though, solar UVC rays do not reach the Earth because they are absorbed by the ozone layer. However, as we'll discuss later on in this episode, UVC light is used in the lab and can therefore inflict DNA damage if proper safety precautions are not taken. UVB and UVA are still dangerous. While UVC poses the biggest danger, UVA and UVB rays are not harmless. Both rays are two forms of high-energy radiation that ionise, that is, remove electrons from, molecules in a photochemical reaction that generates new molecular products. UVB and UVA rays can penetrate the epidermis and dermis layers of our skin, respectively, and have been categorised as class 1 carcinogens by the International Agency for Research on Cancer. Importantly, while UVA light is less energetic than UVB, it is 20 times more intense, but this ratio varies depending on the latitude and season. Moreover, UVB-induced DNA damage has been associated with the onset of non-melanoma skin cancers, which include basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. To make matters worse, damage to the stratospheric ozone layer has led to an increase of UVB radiation on Earth along with a parallel increase in the incidence of non-melanoma skin cancers and malignant melanomas. Even more reason to slather on the sunscreen. So how does UV light actually damage DNA? Let's discuss the main types of UV-induced mutations. The efficient repair of DNA damage prior to replication is essential for preventing carcinogenesis. If this doesn't happen or DNA damaged cells are not eliminated by apoptosis, DNA lesions and damaged cells express their mutagenic properties in a process that activates or inactivates proto oncogenic or tumour suppressing genes, respectively. UV damage occurs via two distinct types of mutations dimerizing and oxidative. Let's discuss these in more detail. Dimerizing mutations Exposure to UVB and to a lesser extent UVA rays leads to the formation of the most common photochemical products in DNA, cyclobutane pyrimidine dimers, or CPDs, as well as pyrimidine-6,4-pyrimidone photoproducts, also known as 6,4-PPs. CPDs form when two adjacent pyrimidines, thymines or cytosines, become covalently linked by their C-C double bonds. These four carbons form a cyclic ring, cyclobutane, that links the two pyrimidines, thus creating a chemical intermediate that is not normally found in DNA. This photochemical product causes a structural kink in the DNA that prevents the pyrimidines from base pairing and prevents DNA replication. Unlike oxidative mutations, UV-induced dimerization mutations arise from the direct absorption of UV photons. See the original article for a graphical representation of dimerization damage to DNA. 2. Oxidative mutations. UV exposure doesn't always lead directly to mutations in the DNA. In fact, UVA radiation commonly damages DNA in an oxygen-dependent manner that involves photosensitization. This leads to the production of a free radical that then interacts with and oxidizes DNA bases. These oxidized bases don't pair correctly during replication, resulting in mutations. See the original article for a summary figure showing the different types of DNA damage from UVA and UVB light. One example of this is a G to T transversion mediated by reactive oxygen species. The oxidation of guanine into 8-oxoguanine prevents the hydrogen bonding required to base pair with cytosine. Instead, during replication, 8-oxoguanine can base pair with adenine via two hydrogen bonds. When the second strand is synthesized, the base position originally occupied by the guanine is then replaced with a thymine, leading to a G to T transversion. Oxidative mutations can also result in single-strand breaks. But why is this important for your safety in the lab? Direct exposure of the skin and eyes to UV light can produce visible and painful burns as well as invisible DNA damage. For your own safety, it's important to be aware of the dangers of UV light and the precautions you can take to keep yourself and others safe in the lab. This is also important so you can make sure that your DNA and cell samples are not ruined by exposure to UV light. While UV light induces DNA damage and burns, making it potentially dangerous, it is a double-edged sword in that it's also very useful in biological research. Therefore, solar UV is not the only concern for UV-induced DNA damage and skin cancer. Several types of lab equipment also utilize UV light. Common pieces of lab equipment that utilise a UV light source include transilluminators, biological safety cabinets and UV crosslinkers. In some cases, these devices can emit intense UV radiation that is more concentrated and therefore more damaging to DNA than natural UV radiation from the sun. Dangers of UV light exposure for the eyes. Eyes are generally sensitive organs and this is no different when it comes to UV exposure. The epithelial cells of the cornea absorb light in the actinic range of the UV spectrum 200 to 300 nanometers and exposure to this can cause symptoms of photokeratitis which does not manifest for several hours after the initial exposure. Symptoms include sensitivity to bright light, watery eyes and the feeling of having sand in the eye. The effects usually go away after 48 hours and continue to disappear as the cells of the cornea are replaced. However, there is also a risk of long-term effects. While the majority of UV radiation that enters the eye is absorbed by the cornea, UVA is absorbed by the lens of the eye, which can lead to protein damage in the lens and subsequent formation of cataract. Dangers of UV light exposure for the skin. Excessive exposure of the skin to UV in the actinic range 200 to 300 nanometers results in symptoms that are similar to sunburn, including redness, swelling, pain, blistering and peeling skin. Not pleasant. A number of factors can also affect the degree of skin damage from UV light exposure. These include the use of drugs, eg tetracycline, degree of melanin in the skin, and photosensitization from certain foods, such as figs, limes, parsnips and celery. root. Short-term skin damage often heals quickly, but chronic exposure to UV may increase your risk of developing skin cancer. Table 1 in the original article lists some common lab equipment that emits UV light, safety precautions you should take when using, and alternatives you can use to avoid using UV light. For example, transilluminators are used to visualise DNA bands in agro's gels. You should always wear a visor, gloves, and a lab coat and button it up to the top make sure you use the transilluminator in an isolated room so others are not inadvertently exposed. There should be some warning system to indicate its use, e.g. red warning light outside the room in which the transilluminator is being used, and alternatives include non-UV box or dyes visible in natural light, such as crystal violet. The damage that UV can pose to our skin and our eyes is not the only issue we have in the lab. We also need to think about how it affects our precious samples. Why is it important to protect your DNA samples from UV radiation in the lab? Well, a plasmid that contains UV inducing dimerization mutations is unlikely to be replicated efficiently in E. coli. The structural change brought about by dimerizing mutation leaves the plasmid DNA available to repair enzymes. However, errors in repair commonly lead to the replacement of cytosine for thymine, thus changing the original DNA sequence in potentially detrimental ways that can affect your downstream experiments. When cutting out purified plasmids, DNA fragments or PCR products from an agarose gel, it's important to be quick. Don't spend 30 minutes with your gel on the transilluminator while you carefully and skillfully cut out the relevant bands. Quickly identify and excise the bands you need to limit the introduction of mutations in your DNA sample. And just to be sure, sequence everything after purification. This can save you a lot of heartache down the line. To go one step further, you could also use non-UV boxes to visualize DNA bands in your agarose gel. Or alternatively, there are now gel purification kits that allow users to go UV-free. For example, the SNAP UV-free gel purification kit uses crystal violet reagent, which allows the visualization of DNA in agarose gel under ambient light. This also eliminates the need to use ethidium bromide or other potentially questionable nucleic acid dyes. So in short, both long and shortwave UV light is damaging to DNA, but in different ways. Short wavelength UVB and UVC light can directly cause dimerization of pyrimidines, directly prevent replication of plasmid DNA, or induce mutations after faulty repair. Long wavelength UVA light is generally less directly damaging and instead causes mutations through the production of reactive oxygen species in the lab. Long wave UVA light is generally less directly damaging and instead causes mutations through production of reactive oxygen species. In the lab, UVA is less harmful to naked DNA. This is why it's best to use a long wavelength transilluminator to visualise DNA bands, if possible. However, with enough exposure, UVA light could still damage your DNA. Hopefully, we've taught you not only the importance of using a broad-spectrum sunscreen, but also the chemistry behind damaging effects of UV light and how to protect your samples in the lab. Check out the episode description for links to related articles and resources and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to get more help and advice from mentors at your benchside. Are you always on the go, but still seeking valuable insights to advance your research? Well, look no further than Listen In. The podcast from Bite Size Bio that offers the benefits of webinars in a portable format with webinars featuring leading researchers and commercial specialists discussing techniques like CRISPR-Cas9 and microscopy. With ListenIn, you can tap into their expertise and drive your research project forward efficiently and productively, no matter where you are. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for ListenIn in your podcast app to subscribe.